I can't come here and die I can't come here and lose Got all this shit on my mind Like what the fuck I'm a day Work ain't paid me in time My baby just ripped me my mood No two just cut off my line Hi guys Welcome to the Echo Chamber I'm Jade And I'm Ev And today we're going to talk about grief. It's a pertinent topic at the moment, but we'll definitely get into why it's so relevant right now. But the opening question for today is going to be, what is something that you have grieved? For me, I am thinking about a specific friendship which came to an end in 2018 it really felt like grief. The version of daughters where they live, I can still phone them. Still have a version of communication with them, but that friendship coming to an end felt like grief for me. I really had to work through and process the acceptance of that relationship looking very, very different to how it had looked for a long time. Like that was really difficult for me. How about you? Okay. When we first thinking about grief, I thought of a relationship actually. So I think my relationship, the end of that felt like grief. And I think that was what was so painful. But actually, I think that my biggest grief that hasn't been like related to somebody passing away was um, grieving a life that I thought I was going to have and coming to terms with that and just accepting that my life isn't going to look the way that I had like conjured up in my head and told myself that life needed to look for me, for me to be acceptable, normal, to like bust all of the um, generational stuff that have like afflicted those that have come before me. So I just believed that I had to be a particular kind of person and my life had to look a particular kind of way for me to bust all of these things, to bust like the poverty stuff, to yeah, bust all of that sort of stuff. There's definitely a grief attached to my life just not looking the way that I thought it it should look, the way that I told myself that it should look for so much of my life. And me not looking the way that I thought I would look at near 30, nothing to do with like aesthetics, but literally like just me, me, what I told myself I should be doing and that. Maybe what I told myself some of my beliefs should be what morals I told myself that I should have, all of those types of things. So I think I have experienced a deep grief there that I have only engaged with and connected to probably from a point last year. Yeah, I find that super interesting hearing you say that because one of two things, either one, I didn't have that rigid expectations of the person that I would be. So I don't know if I've experienced that. I've experienced versions of it but not maybe not like so maybe that oh I thought this relationship would last so I thought I'd be with this person or sections of my life that I thought would look different but maybe not like as a whole so it's either that but I have I didn't have a rigid expectation of what I would be or or the or I think in many areas as the past I've done better than quote unquote what I expected of myself or what I feel like what was expected of me by people in many areas of my life. I think I've done a lot better. I've um, landed on my feet in ways that I didn't expect myself to. So that's interesting, just hearing you speak. I don't think that's dissimilar from a lot of people in terms of like 
the expectations that are placed upon us for what is like a, a model citizen or a whole human being or whatever a successful adult I think that their society kind of places those ideas in our minds from really young and so that process must be interesting and difficult. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying there. Unlike you, I definitely had like rigid expectations for myself, rigid plans for myself, rigid visions of like what Jade's life needed to look like and what Jade needed to be doing. It definitely took has always taken away from like an appreciation of what I have achieved. And it's also taken away from like a real zooming in on like what has taken place on your journey, what has happened for certain things to not be able to maybe happen for example a really good example is like the marriage stuff so it's that oh like I've got to get married I need to be married I want to be married in my early 20s and all of that and like life didn't work out that way but it's only in my late 20s that I've given myself a chance to really zoom in on like my trajectory with relationships so my formative relationships with my parents and how that's like disjointed my the way that I engage with people and there's healing to do basically. Um, and that healing would never come if I was just constantly looking at or not processing the grief and not looking at the journey and looking at the work that needs to be done basically. But also I'm what this. <laughs> so I just say, I was thinking I was so what this, you know? So I, I remember that my friends like, Oh yeah. Like, I don't know. They were so like, ah, oh, like, applied for college on the clearing day I didn't apply for no colleges and then on the day when it's like I didn't I didn't apply for no colleges because either I didn't think I was gonna do well or I didn't <laughs> I wasn't really engaged in it so I was like oh right like can't solve two two A star two two A's and that I was like all right cool yeah I'll go to college then may as well rocked up to my college literally the day before I was meant to start college got got through I was like all right cool like I'm just I'm I'm just engaging with the ways in which majority of my like adolescence and early adult life was so free and whatless but there was nothing to grieve if anything the bar was so low it doesn't even take much for me to surpass that so I'm grateful in that way that I've I've surpassed that that whatless little girl (laughs) I decided to come up with this conversation today because in as much as we've kind of spoken about almost intangible things that we've grieved or um, are grieving. I recently experienced a loss of somebody who, through the process of grieving her her death, I am becoming more and more aware of how significant she was to me and has been to my journey. And it's a really complicated scenario. So my ex's mum passed away just over a week ago now. It has been an absolute whirlwind of emotions for me. It's been really difficult, partly because I I loved her a lot, but also it brought me back to a point in my life where she was a real mother figure to me and was really present, that actively present in mothering me and in just being there for me. And that has brought up stuff for me around why she needed to do that. So that my mum not being as present or being able to be as present and how difficult my relationship with my mum was at that time and how just difficult things were for me and her just stepping in and really taking on a very active role. Ironically, or actually I don't think it's ironic at all, I think my spirit has had been engaging with the conversation. So 
in my diary um I, when I was away I was I was journaling every day and she passed on the Monday and on the Saturday um in my journal I had written about grief quite randomly um we'd had a conversation with the people that I was aboard with about grief and about death and I was I was saying in the conversation and also journaling saying that like I feel like God is preparing me for a death that is about to come I think that it's a conversation that I've I think this is probably the first time somebody and like quite a few people in my life have passed but this is probably the first time where I have very intentionally um, tried to engage with the process of grieving as opposed to just like fumbling around and trying to figure it out as I go, but very intentionally like processing what's going on for me, what's coming up for me, what it means for me. Yeah, I definitely hear hear what you're saying. Similarly, um, so my last series, like, loss that was really close to me I was 19 I just turned 19 it was a few days after my birthday actually when my granny passed and my granny was like a massive figure in my life literally like a savior figure like there was times where there was nothing to eat in the house or there was no gas and electric or all of those mad things that like no one expects to be going on in 21st century Britain or London anyway and she would always have us. And we lived really close to her. So she was like a three, four minute walk from us. And I just remember being a teenager and just thinking to myself, like, if not for granny, like, what would happen? Like, what would happen to me and my sisters? Like, how will we eat sometimes? Or how would I have hot water to go to school and things like that? I just remember being really afraid of the day that she would pass and being afraid of the future actually without her. So being afraid of like, oh, if she's not there as the safety net, then what's going to happen then? I went off to university at 18 in the October and I turned 19 in the January and she was diagnosed with cancer in 2010. And I was just very shielded from like the whole process of like the stages, what they mean, what it means when someone goes into a hospice. I was just very guarded and shielded. And I think that it was intentional from my family because I was going to uni. So I've gone off to uni in the October and I've come home to visit a few times. And I think it was over Christmas that she went into the hospice. And I remember having a conversation with one of my cousins who is on my dad's side. And she was like, oh, you know what that means? Yeah. And I didn't know what it meant. So I was just uh, like, yeah, yeah. And then she just died. Like four days after my birthday, like she just died. And she was very like, just, you have to get on with it. Like you have to get on with it. I just got on with it. Basically, I never took time to grieve. I never took time to grieve. I've never intentionally grieved the loss. I think I visited her grave twice. Yeah, I think I've visited it twice since she was buried. Even on the day of the funeral, I remember like I had to go out and buy my little sister's clothes to wear at the funeral because my mum didn't have that the resources and the capacity to do that and so it's just always been autopilot there's never been intentional grieving for me and it's only now I keep saying in my later 20s that I really zoom in on certain things and like ways that I've behaved in response to my pain sometimes I make the links back to like why I've done certain things or I hear you on the intentional grieving 
Yeah, ma'am. It's it's as well because I'm I'm sitting here thinking about so my first significant death was my dad, obviously, when I was six. And that's really young. And I but I remembered that day like it was yesterday. I can talk you through it. So I remember like early in the morning, then we got woken up. Um we got taken to my friend Nikki's house, who's a family friend of ours. Like, I remember it was Father's Day and I remember like she was having, I don't know if they were having like a party or some kind of fun, or she had a trampoline anyway. There was just stuff going on in the yard, innit? So we're there, we're enjoying ourselves. Like, oh, I'm enjoying myself. I'm playing with my friends. I remember now in hindsight, her mum was really upset. But I mean, not knowing like why she's upset or what's going on. So they haven't told us that he's passed. It's interesting. So I was six, but my oldest brother was 11. And I always now think back to, because I've got my version of events on that day, I'm sure he's got his, but how oblivious I was to what was going on. And that was probably different for Thomas and Chisholm. Do you know what I mean? They were probably slightly more aware, um, could read the room a little bit better than I could. Whereas for me, it was like, ah, rah, lit. I'm saying whatever and I remember I'd, I'd made my dad a card and so it was like oh like when I'm gonna go hospital because he was he was in hospital when am I gonna go hospital to give him his card kind of vibe but I was just there yeah, this is lit trampoline lit do you know what I mean then we got brought back home and by the time we got brought back home my whole house was packed like there were people on the stairs people in the corridor people outside and there was one auntie that was just weeping just like weeping <laughs> like She's just weeping. She just pulled me over. She's just hugging me and weeping. And I'm thinking, why are you hugging me? Or why are you weeping? Or why are you doing too much? Was what I was thinking at the time. Like, it was very much like, what's going on? And But again, me as a six-year-old, no context and no understanding of what's happening. And I'm, by this point, I'm very sure that my, my brothers, who knew that my dad was in hospital, would have had some understanding of what was going on. Nobody has verbally told us, this is what's happened. And then at some point, we got brought upstairs into what was his room at the time. My mum and my auntie told us, my auntie said the words, my mum couldn't say the words, but they told us that he'd passed. That, without even sounding dramatic, I don't know how to say it without sounding dramatic, but that was the moment that my life changed. Like that, if I were to pinpoint and go back to like significant moments, that moment, the whole trajectory of my life changed. And looking at it now as an adult, in hindsight, going back to that moment and remembering that day, and it's something that I've tried to process in hindsight. And I can see how difficult hindsight grieving is. Like looking back and trying to grieve something that that was is so much more difficult than like being prepared and walking into it with an adult mind. So there's that element of it, but there's also the like the collective grieving that we do as black people across every tradition that I am aware of in places in black countries. There are versions of collective mourning and collective grieving that there are pros and cons to. Um, so for me, I feel like for a long part of my life, I always felt very robbed of like, how was there 60 people in my house crying for a man that was my father before I even knew that he was gone? Why were there so many people in my house all the time for like the weeks that followed? Like, why did we not have space 
to grieve as a family, to, to discuss what it meant for us individually. Those were conversations that were never had with us, that that was processing that never happened. What I remember is, so obviously Father's Day is on a Sunday, and I remember the next day feeling like, right, yeah, I don't have to go to school. So my brothers went, to, we were given the option to go to school or not. Both of my brothers chose to go to school. I chose not to go to school. So I was running around with my mum and my aunt, sorting out things for the, for the death in it, sorting out things that had happened. And again, the context of my dad dying is bad. There's bad drama and politics around it in, in terms of that like, my dad had two families and blah, 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 blah. So like, I guess I'm like that being like my first significant death to where I am now and in between I think most of the people that are close to me or most hold something in my heart personally that have passed have been murdered which again is a whole nother processing you have to use different faculties to understand that aside from my dad I've, um, I've lost two of my godmothers so I've lost I have lost some people to death um, to um, natural death, but then I've lost, I've also lost people that have been killed, and that's a totally different process. So to see where I am today in relation to um, this woman who meant so, 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 so much to me, it's very difficult. I want to feel through it and not get too clinical and not get too kind of like cerebral around what needs to happen. There's also like, if I'm being very transparent, there's also like questions that I have of myself about my claim to this grief because of um obviously this is my ex-partner she wasn't my mum do you know what I mean she she wasn't my mum she didn't give birth to me and there are people that are closer do you know what I mean I've not been in that relationship for a long time there are people that are kind of that were more in her day-to-day life over the past years that I were in a way that I haven't been do you know what I mean so there's also like they're also in my mind feels like a bit of a disconnect between what I'm feeling in my heart and what I think I should be feeling or what I think is acceptable for me to feel in the context of who this person was and there's just all these different questions that have come up for me around what grief is and what is a healthy way to grieve. Yeah I'm glad that you brought that up because feeling like you have a claim to grieve someone going so as I said, the last really, really significant person in my life that passed was my granny. But prior to that, most significant person that passed was my stepdad. And he passed when I was 13 years old. The circumstances of his death were very, like, very, very traumatic. It was very sudden. I think he was 37 years old. And he was like in great health, very fit, active person. It was the biggest shock. Him and my mum had quite an up and down relationship that was characterized by a lot of like get out like get out of the house like I don't want you here anymore so he would like move out for really little periods of time maybe like a month or so rent out a room like this happened one time he moved out was renting a room he would always come and visit because my little sisters were really young at the time I think two and three years old Um, and he would come every day after work come and see them then go back to his room and then one day he just didn't come and then then like there were just like days and days passed and he just didn't come. And in my mum's stubbornness, she, she called him after a couple of days and I think his phone rang out. Of course, at this time we were still like using Nokia's and things like that, which held a long battery life, but eventually the phone wasn't ringing anymore. So after two weeks, she went to his workplace and 
was like, where is he? Like, where is he? He's not picking up his phone. Now it's not ringing anymore. Like, yeah, where is he? He's got children. And they were like, he's dead. Like, he's dead. How are you asking us this? And she was obviously like, what? Like, what's happening? What are you telling me? Like, what? They were like, yeah, like, he was found dead two weeks ago in his room by a colleague. One of his colleagues brought him in on renting this room in this house, found him dead in there. Apparently he had been dead for like five days. They just hadn't been seeing him at work. Despite the, the shock, despite the trauma of the circumstances, despite the breakdown, the very visceral breakdown of what I knew to be my family from the age of eight years old, what was no, the breakdown of what was normal, I doubted my ability to have a claim to this grief. It wasn't my dad. It wasn't my dad. Hearing and seeing you, your emotional reaction to it all these years later, kind of evidences to me the importance of not policing grief. I got the call last week. Something in my stomach knew what the call was. I don't know how, but I knew. I was actually away um, and just about to start a work session. So I was logged onto the Zoom, my colleague was on the Zoom, something in my gut was like, go and take this call. Fucking Dubai and their like restrictions. I could you can't answer WhatsApp calls or FaceTime calls. So I'm like going to get my sister-in-law's phone to ringing him down, ringing him down, get through eventually. He's he can't say it to me, he's passed the phone to his dad. His dad can't say it to me, he's passed the phone to his brother, who's eventually said it to me. I broke, I broke down in a way that sitting outside of my body and looking at that, that woman last week, I'm shocked at or surprised by my reaction, my instinctive reaction to the news. Um, because I, I broke down, like crying, I was wailing, I was finished, I was shaking. I was like, what? the fuck um I'm grateful to God that um I managed to spend some time with her the day before I went away again hindsight I can see that I feel that she knew she was going we felt we spent very like it was a very valuable couple of hours looking back now it wasn't normal it wasn't like the normal way we'd interact there was like an openness and a like and I'm just very grateful I told her how much I loved her. And again, quite uncharacteristically of me, like it wasn't, that's not, do you know I mean, usually how we interact. Um, I spoke to her about some ventures that I've got coming up and like seeing her pride, hearing her advice. I'm re- like, I will never get over how grateful I am for that time. And also to touch on that as well, um, without over-spiritualising, I knew to go to that house that day. Like, there were so many things happening. I was travelling the next day. My laptop had broken, so I had to go Apple Store. It just, it wasn't, timing-wise, it just wasn't convenient, to be honest. I knew, everything in me knew 
I need to see this woman today. And I bought her a plant and I went, like she wasn't at the end at that point or it didn't feel or look as if she was at the end. So it, looking at that, looking at it now, it doesn't make sense why I was so adamant on going there, spending time with her, bought her the plant. I'd seen her a couple of weeks prior to that and it, that wasn't the vibe. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know what it was and like she had cancer as well. So in as much as like, yes, there are like immediate family members who I know that I'm probably just seeing a fraction of what they're feeling. It doesn't take away from what I'm feeling. And I'm really conscious of the importance of both holding space for her people, her husband and children that she's left behind, grandchild that she's left behind. Um, but also being honest with myself about my need to be held through this because it is it is me I'm grieving I'm grieving I've lost I've lost somebody um, that yes wasn't in my life every day or didn't speak to every day or don't have no blood connection to had a bond with a bond with and that bond like yeah I, I, I am determined to not downplay what that means myself so not even like it doesn't need to be an external it's not an outwardly facing thing it doesn't need to be like oh I need to claim this or I need to show people nah this is what she did for me or this is what our relationship was like I don't really need to do all of that but I know what it was for me I know where it's hit me in my heart I know how it impacts me how it's impacted me every day since the next morning I woke up and the first thought in my mind was I live in a world that this woman is no longer in. And it was a mindfuck. Like, and again, this is not someone that I speak to every day, but it was like just the realisation that the world that I am in today on this Tuesday morning is a world that this woman is no longer in. And then when I did the meditation that morning, and I went into my heart and I was, I was, I wept the whole way through that meditation and I could just feel the heaviness and the, my heart was broken. My heart is broken and there needs to be intentional work to repair that, to honour her transition, to accept her transition, to, um, to renegotiate my relationship with her because I don't believe that she, I don't believe in like, final death I believe that she's transitioned to wherever she's going next and to like look at what that looks like in practice for me yeah on what you was talking about or elements of what you've been speaking about just there it's making me think what is what is grief holistically like when we tangibly what is grief and I wonder to myself like the policing and the limitation that we sometimes put on other people so someone's passed away someone has very visceral outward emotional outpourings over the the loss of this person we put parameters around that like oh but it's just your second cousin why are you crying like that or oh you didn't know him that well why are you crying like that I'm here wondering like when we look at grief holistically it's so many things. It's not only the loss. It's not only the person isn't there anymore. Is it also the like, the knowing that like, perhaps that person that was my second cousin has a daughter 
who is now fatherless and I was fatherless. So that's pulling at my wound. I don't know. I know that he was like financially responsible for his mum. And that makes me feel worried for his mum. Like there's just so many elements to it. And I think of my stepdad and um, the pain and the things that I suppressed, it wasn't just uniform. It wasn't only connected to him. I was living in a house now with my mum who has lost a partner, my two younger sisters who have lost their dad and they're too young to process and understand that. My life has completely changed now. I'm seeing the way that my mum's mental health is declining. There's so much connected to that entire process and what it means for that person to no longer be on this earth. And I wonder if that is all part and parcel of grief and therefore the policing and the parameters that are placed around it sometimes based on really fickle ground, which is just like, oh, how close in proximity in a family tree are you to that person? Or in terms of like friendship ties, how close are you to that person for you to be allowed to have this outpouring or for you to be allowed to have this time off work, to be allowed to feel the need to have a break or to be depressed after it. Like, I just think that there's, it's such a minefield. There's so much to it. And I've definitely never given myself time to acknowledge everything that has come up and everything that the losses that I've experienced in my life have meant to me and have meant to the people around me that I also love and care about and feel a sense of responsibility to. It's interesting because as you're saying, I'm bare nodding because I'm thinking about when people die in ends, like when people are killed in ends, I might not know them, you know, personally or have like a personal relationship to them and actually one of the people that was killed when I was younger who was my friend who I did have a relationship with I very much remember policing my grief at the time because there was so much and obviously we were all very young but there was so much conversations around that are like why is X and Y just begging it they weren't that close or he didn't even like A and B so why are they at the feet? Like, why are they whatever, whatever? And then there were really, at that time, there were really people who were kind of overstating their relationship with him to have some proximity to this tragedy for, for their own reasons, for whatever those reasons were. So I remember feeling really like I had to police my relationship or my, sorry, my outward expression of that, that grief at that time. Um, a couple of years ago, somebody was killed who I didn't know personally or like didn't have didn't have his number in my phone, but had literally seen the weekend before and had been around and actually he used he he was close with somebody that I used to be close with, and that I had to take the next day off work. I had to take the next day off work because it hit me so, it was such a shock to my system that somebody who I've been around so much socially and who's like, I'm around and who I like have seen and know in as much as, yeah, that I've never had your number in my phone. We've never been friends like that. And that's just the reality of the fact that this is another young black man who's lost their life to violence and the systemic, the ways that I, I relate to that and then my work and like the work that I've done with young people and 
like having lost young people to the same type of violence and just the ways that it touches on us it's a sore 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 wound that yes it might not be my best friend my cousin my parent or whoever but death and loss the ways in which that those things can be communal and particularly when there's patterns to that I think that um this death has triggered so much for me around cancer and like it's interesting because when I think about my fights and the things that I'm like or like let's say I don't know I was to do a fundraiser I don't know I probably have mental health at the top something to do with blackness something to do with you know I mean young women whatever whatever I don't really put cancer in there but actually I've lost people to cancer my dad had cancer do you know what I mean there is there's like it is a thing that I just have for whatever reason chosen to dis or not not consciously but I just for whatever reason haven't engaged with so similar when um Chadwick Boseman died and I saw that and he had the same cancer that my ex's mum had that's hit me it hit me somewhere new it hit me somewhere different like and this is someone that I've never met I've never been, I've never sat in a room with don't can't vouch for on a personal level but loss and death I think touches on wounds that we already have um and if we don't nurture those wounds and that's why with this through this process I'm so intent on nurturing the part of me that is grieving that is hurting that is in pain that is broken that has lost something I'm never getting back in the physical like I need to to sit with that I need to 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 actively engage with that process so that that part heals so that the next thing that happens the next person that we lose or I lose it doesn't tap too deeply into that well basically and I think the other thing that this whole process has got me thinking about is that life goes on you know life goes on like I got that call I was in the middle of a session the nature of my work we need two adults to be present for the sessions to go on so I had to stay in the zoom call I didn't I turned my mic off turned my camera off wasn't there um was like just coming to check every half an hour to see if like anything any emergencies had occurred but I had to stay in that call I had to like I was on I was abroad I had to make decisions about whether to stay or, or come back to the country the next day I was I went to a private beach club with my sister-in-law and half, some of our friends and her friends I remember like in the morning of like, oh, I'm not coming anymore I'm not gonna come and then just being like are you dumb like so what you're gonna sit at home in the bed and cry like why like cry on the beach <laughs> do you know what I mean cry on the beach like life is gonna go on and I remember being and thankfully my sister was like no you're coming and it didn't mean I wasn't grieving like it didn't mean like me kind of being there in that space in that very kind of like aesthetic season space my heart still felt how it felt do you know what I mean I still cried I still had my moments I still but I laughed though I laughed that day do you know what I mean I ate food that day I probably done a shit and and like had a cup of tea no do you know what I mean things things kept moving things keep moving things are moving as I'm sitting here I'm having this conversation and I'm feeling whatever I'm feeling things are moving do you know what I mean they have to move they should move she would want them to move so it's honoring what I'm feeling processing that being healthy in relation to that thing whilst also acknowledging that I haven't I haven't died I'm still here and actually she was a 
good woman, that woman was a good woman, that woman was a woman that lived a full life, that woman was a woman that appreciated and valued life and was very spiritual and plugged in, but also very practical and able to enjoy and just valued life. And actually, I've almost had a sense of responsibility to honour that sentiment and continue in in that vein I think it's brought up a lot for me around death around relationships around even moments or periods of time because it's like let's say for two or three years there was a real intense relationship where I saw this woman every day and that stopped for a long time or things would pop up and I'd see her again or we'd speak again or that whatever but the relationship in different periods of my life has looked really different but that those foundational years where she played a real significant mother figure role to me I can't divorce myself from that I can always in my mind go back to those, those, that point and I will forever be indebted to her and owe a lot I believe I owe a lot in terms of that and not like tangibly physically to give back but in terms of that honouring what she invested in me, carrying that forward. Um, just to touch back on the policing stuff, like the policing of, of feelings and what you were speaking to um, in terms of like when, when the person passed away when we were teenagers, to like call you a beg or try and suggest that like, you know, to suggest that people were begging friends and whatever. Just to speak to that, I think that it is really just like for me showing me like ways in which I've allowed my ego to completely take over it's allowed my ego to completely take over and it's also allowed me or meant that I have suppressed so much of my emotions and suppressed so many of my feelings and how unhealthy that is and how now a few years off 30 I'm only now dealing with that and it's drawing my attention to my current relationships a lot and helping me to see how like suppressing my feelings and allowing my ego to get in the way of my relationships in the present is just as unhealthy and how I just need to change that. I proper just need to change it. It needs it. I I want it to change and welcoming that change in terms of life going on. What you were saying there that really touched me because I remember on both occasions that I've been at funerals so my stepdad and then my granny being in the car driving to the to the burial site and just thinking like everyone's just living their life like everything is normal everything is normal everyone's getting on with their life this bus driver's driving the bus this woman's walking these people are laughing this baby's crying everything is normal But for me in my life, I'm shocked that I am going to bury these people that were like safety nets in my life. These people that meant so much to me. These people that loved me, that looked after me. These people that that know so much about me, that know my secrets, that know family secrets. So many, like it means so much to me. Like this journey means so much to me being in this place going to this graveyard means so much to me and so many of the people that I love and the world is spinning and carrying on and actually in reality 
tomorrow my life is also going to continue in many ways it's mad to think it's mad yeah I think for me that is um that is the work um learning that learning how to do that in a way that feels authentic yeah learning how to do life um I think that I'm reaching an age where grief is becoming more relevant so people's parents are passing people are grieving relationships people are grieving like we're having the first set of divorce well I'm having the first set of divorces um, in my friendship circles or in my social circles so people are grieving what you described Jade at the beginning people are grieving versions of themselves that they thought that they would be and are not that I think that grief is a really pertinent topic at the moment one that it's important that we engage with and understand how to do life in in the midst of death basically how do we continue to live and strive and and appreciate and value life in the face of of death which is constant which is ongoing which is unpredictable at times which is um every it's guaranteed it's guaranteed um so i think those are the questions that this this has brought up for me and love as well and the way that like love you can't yeah i I, i'm glad that i got to tell her how much i loved her before she went i'm glad i got to hear her say she was proud of me and that she loved me too um and those are things that can't ever be taken from me yeah this was an important conversation man and it's got me thinking about so much um i think for me the work is to make sure i give myself space and time to feel feel express because i'm good at the keeping going very good at that very good at denying myself very good at policing myself but yeah it is to feel um and yeah I only ever met her once um and I'm glad that I met her and her son knows that I love him (laughs) so much um so for me my feeling comes from always been a pagan sorry i had to even cut you i know we talk about a serious thing but this is what extra talking about it's always aligning yourself with with pagan tree but yeah sorry that's the god that's the godfather of my children anyway i love him loads i'm sad for him but the community got him we've got him and that's the other thing is like yeah we've got him people have him people love him and that's I, i think something that's beautiful i've had a few friends lose parents this year and just the, the way that people, the way that we've, it's Avengers Assemble, you know, and we assemble and we gather around and we do what we need to do and we hold. Thanks for listening today, guys. Thank you, guys. Just caught off my life